Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 320, William has investing experience, money in the bank, and a plan for retirement. So, do Joe and Big Al think he's ready for early retirement now at the age of 59 and a half? Plus, BRRR real estate investing and Roth, backdoor Roth, and Megatron Roth conversions. Also, a capital gains and ordinary income case study, again, and RSUs or restricted stock units. Are they ordinary income and how do they impact Social Security? Speaking of which, when exactly can a spouse begin collecting spousal Social Security benefits? Click Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your money questions to be answered here on the YMYW podcast. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. William writes in, hi, Joe and Big Al, looking for a second opinion if I can retire at age 59 and a half right now. We got $1.8 million in investments, $1.1 in a 403B, $250,000 in a brokerage account, $450,000 in Roth IRAs. I am an accountant. I have an MBA in finance and been investing 30 years and very experienced in the market. I'm a DYI investor, annual income of 130,000. Okay. Well, what the hell are you writing into us for, Bill? <laughs> because he just wants a second opinion. Dude, the guy, I'm an MBA. I am an accountant. <laughs> you am, kneel down to me. I am a very experienced investor. I want to see what you check. <laughs> have to say <laughs> well wh- where does he go with this okay in retirement i plan to spread my money over mutual funds etfs and closed-in funds cefs i love how they always put that yeah right acronyms there. yep invested in stocks for growth balance funds for growth and income and some cefs closed-in funds <laughs> for income Gives us a few ticker symbols. Yep. Uh, no individual stocks. House of $200,000 paid for in not included in investments. No other debt. One car. Okay. All right. Only two years old. I will generate $5,000 per month in income distributions from income investments. Okay. All right. Wife, two years younger, and I, uh, two years younger, and I will need to take out a gross of $8,000 per month. Pre-tax in healthcare, total $1,000 per month for both of us until Medicare, age 65. Thus, I will take out three k per month in principal until age 70 when we start Social Security. We have low expenses and could live on our after-tax of three point five k per month if needed. I've worked long and hard. Really want to retire now. I've been a manager since 22. Man, he's been a manager. That's a long time. He's got an MBA. He's an accountant. <laughs> That's almost 40 years. He's a DIY. Yeah. This guy's he's got awesome. it all. I love this guy's awesome. <laughs> Do you think generally someone in this situation could retire 59 and a half and be okay? Please let me know if you have any questions. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> so I don't like his strategy at all. I, I don't either. But um, let's see if, if, if William can retire because he's been a manager since 22 and it sounds like he hates his it's, job. He's, he's done. Right. I don't, I don't blame you, William. So he's got 1.8. What does he say? $8,000, um, 12 times. So just, just round it to 200, 2 million just to make it easy. And he needs $100,000 a year. Right? right. That's right. 
$8,000 a month, 96. Yeah, let's yeah. round that. That's right. All right. If you take 100,000 and you divide that into 2 million, right? So that's 5%. Yep. That's, that's a little rich, but you know what? It's not counting is future social security. So you look at it like that. You want to look at a distribution rate. So right now, William, you'd be pulling out 5% of your total portfolio per year from 59 and a half till age 70. Yeah. And by the way, we don't really care about your income. We could compare about your total return. That's what this computation is. Right. Because what you're going to do is you're going to buy in these closed in funds for income, right? And they're going to be levered. Yeah. I didn't even look at what these ticker symbols are. <laughs> but since you're a DIY MBA and accountant, you probably have. Right. Understand the risks because people make this mistake all the time is loading up on certain funds and investments that have been kicking out high yield, right? We saw it with MLPs in the past that blew up or they, they buy annuities or they buy, you know, high dividend paying stocks, high yield bonds, right? They focus a lot of their portfolio on this particular sector of the overall market. And it's overweighted to that area because they're looking only strictly at the income, right? Not looking at the risk. Yes. And the income feels really good right now. Of course. And so they're looking at this and say, yeah, this is good. You know what? I think I can retire because I'm going to be getting $5,000 a month. That's what it's been averaging per month. You know, $60,000 of income. I'm not going to touch any principal at all, but I want to retire. We're spending eight. So I got to dip in a little bit to the principal of $3,000. What do you think? Can I do it? The answer is yes, you can retire because you're only taking 5% out of the portfolio for the next 10 years. And then from there, your Social Security, the guy makes a hundred and some odd thousand dollars a year. So he's probably maxed out on Social Security. Probably so. And if he's married, let's say she didn't work because we didn't hear anything about her. Or if he's single, right? If he's single, let's say he has. Well, he's got a wife, two years younger. Oh, yeah, two years younger. So I don't know what his and hers, if she's going to work or not. Right. Um, but let's just say Social Security benefits is going to pay probably 50 grand. Yeah. So then his distribution rate is probably going to go to two and a half. Yeah. So, so the thing is, we, we like distributions rates to be 4% or lower. But William, in your case, you'll be a little bit higher for a few years, but you'll make it back up when you start collecting Social Security. So we're okay with it. So I would say, you know what? You've worked hard and long. Go ahead and retire. Right. You deserve it. Yeah. You're an MBA. Yeah. You're an accountant. You know how to do this. Yeah. Do a spreadsheet, William. <laughs> Make a spreadsheet. Create, you know, here's what you're spending with inflation. Use a high inflation rate, sure. three and a half percent. Yeah. Use a low earnings rate on your investments just to be conservative, maybe five or six percent. Yeah. Something like that. And then, then you look at, okay, well, here's what my burn rate is. This is what I need. Here's what my expenses are. This is what my income needs to be. Or how much money am I pulling out of the overall portfolio? Do that math. Yeah. I think what you're going to see is you're going to, you are going to dip a little bit for a few years, but then you'll make it up when social security kicks in. Correct. You know, if I were you, I'd plan, I would stop worrying so much about the income and more about a tax strategy because all of his money's jammed up. You retire now, you live out the non-qualified account, and then you do conversions throughout the next, you know, 10 years Yeah, and then get all that money into a tax-free account. Then- you got something. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Uh, we got Marcus. He writes in from Alabama. Is this our buddy, Marcus? Yes. Got to be. How do you know? Well, how because many I've live he in emailed. I have his email address. I recognize his email address. Plus, we're buddies. Mm. Does he say it's Marcus or you just know from his email well, is address? Is it Marcus from, like, from Alabama, Tennessee, Marcus? Yeah, there was yes. confusion there for right. a while. In this particular email, he actually listed his location as Alabama. Got it. Okay. Okay, cool. Hello, Joe, Alan, Andy. 
<clears throat> As always, great podcast. Keep up the excellent work. I have downloaded the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs from your website, but I need clarity <laughs> on this Megatron, Megatron Roth conversion. I vaguely remember you mentioning. Is that the, the new name for the back door or <laughs> oh, garage <geez>. door? <laughs> these guys with these words. <laughs> The Megatron. I like that. I think I like that better than Garage Door. The Megatron. Megatron. All right, we can go with that. Got Isn't it. that a transformer? It, well, it is it now. Works for me. Joe, when investing in a taxable brokerage account, can you pull the contributed principal amount out without incurring any cap gain taxes, like a Roth IRA? Let's say a person wanted to invest $6,000 a year for five years, then chooses to pull this $30,000 out, assuming portfolios greater than $30,000, to invest in real estate. Is this allow with a taxable account or Roth only? As you have noticed, I lied. I don't have a backdoor <laughs> Roth conversion question. Oh, he was tricking us. That's how you know it's Marcus. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, Marcus. So uh, no, that doesn't work with a non-qualified non-retirement account. So when you, t- when you take money out as pro rata, so you have a pro rata gain, you take principal out. You also have that percentage of the gain. It's, it's, it's different than a Roth. Um, <clears throat> he was asking me, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Al. Oh, oh, yeah, he was. Oh, you can answer my question. Then. Uh, uh, <laughs> Al, have you heard of the Burr? Burr, or is it B-R-R-R-R? Burr. Burr. The Burr real estate strategy. Yeah, that is the... <laughs> by buying, flipping, distressed properties. What? Find out what the Burr... I don't yeah, know it's what buy, the rehab, rent, buy, rehab, rent, rent, yeah. repeat. There you go. Oh, you're right. Right on top. Come on. Buy, buy rehab... Well, rent. This, you're sitting closer to the screen than I am. <laughs> Whoa. Plus, I, I'm doing the burst strategy. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I took your question. You can answer. So this buy, rehab, rent, refinance, <laughs> repeat. Like it. Okay. It I sounds like, it. like a lot of leverage. I like a disaster it. waiting to happen. I like it in good markets. I've tried it. I got burned by it. <laughs> Just be careful, Marcus. Uh, if so, what's your thoughts? Also, what's the number one thing you would say to someone that's interested in real estate investing, any books you can suggest? <laughs> well, so, so here's the problem. When, when you do this strategy, basically you keep taking your profits and reinvesting it into more and more properties. And so now you got more and more properties, you've levered them up high debt. Now you got 10 properties instead of one, which is great if the market goes up, but the market doesn't always go up. So for me personally, uh, I had a big problem in 1992 when the savings and loans crashed and real estate went down 25%, but I did okay in that one. I was able to sell one property and keep one property. Then what happened during the Great Recession when properties went down between 50 and 80%, depending upon what market you were, I did not do okay in that. All of a sudden, my properties, just to use your, an example, $100,000 property with an $80,000 loan. Now that property is worth $20,000. And oh, by the way, I can't cash flow it because no one wants to pay the rents anymore. That was a big problem. And if you look at almost any real estate guru book that's being honest, they've been through this cycle at least a couple of times where they've lost everything. So just be careful. It works when real estate goes up and it feels, you feel like a genius. And then when it turns, you'll be very sorry you did this. So I like that. I like it, but I would go slower than what probably this Burr book is telling you to do. Yes. Um, <clears throat> he's getting nosy on us. Joe and Al, what percentage of your own pers- uh, personal portfolio does real estate make up? 
Mm, let me think about that. I can answer that. I'd say about 20%. Yeah, I think I'm right there. Yeah. I got in, um, in my primary, I have a home in Minnesota. Yeah. And then I have a house in um, Palm. I've got, I got my primary. I've got two rentals in Phoenix and two vacation homes in Hawaii. It could be 25, but somewhere, somewhere in that range. Yep. Yeah. I bought my mom a house. You did. Yes. Good I, for you. Yeah. When and, she passes. And it's in your name. Uh, yeah. You're, it's not, it's not cash flowing. <laughs> She's not paying rent. It's a horrible investment. Um, Are you going to live there when you retire? Uh, it's that, in a 55 plus community. Well, perfect. No, I'm not moving to Minnesota. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. Um, I mean, that's where you're comfortable. That's, that's where you grew up. I'm not comfortable there or else I would be living there. So uh, we got Mark from Morgantown, West Virginia. Hey, Joe, Al, and Andy, stumbled upon your show on YouTube. Really enjoyed the format and the info. 67 and retired. I had a somewhat unique way of funding my Roth 401k, and I thought I'd like to share it. Ooh. Okay, good. So, Mark, he's got, got some advice for us. Yes, he does. He's All probably right. got a big brain. Yeah, Morgan Town. Yeah, I think so. I was over 59 and a half when I started this. Okay. Okay. He's 67. Yeah. Okay. My employer started offering a Roth 401k option about five years before I retired. Okay. I'd been in the traditional 401k for 30 years and had maybe 600,000 in it. They also always had a post-tax option in the 401k that I never used. Oh boy. You know where I, this is going? I know exactly where it's going. <laughs> Can you say garage door? <laughs> With my limited time frame. I decided to max out the Roth 401k and contribute heavily to the post-tax option so I could, quote, backdoor it <laughs> into the Roth. This unique part is I contributed more than I could afford 50% of pay and then relied on making withdrawals from my pre-tax account if needed. I had to make two or three small withdrawals per year Net effect, I reduced my pre-tax balance and fat my Roth 401k, plus the pre-tax withdrawals were less than I estimated. All right, Mark. <clears throat> so he just started listening to the show, I take it. Yeah. So Mark, we agree with you. This is a great strategy. It's called the garage door. And we've talked about it <laughs> how many times? times. <laughs> but I love it. It's a great strategy. But not, it doesn't work for everybody. You have to have a, a 401k that allows after-tax money to go into it. Right. So he finally found out. And we, we we give this advice quite a bit to a, a lot of our clients is that they cannot afford, most clients cannot afford to do the mega garage door back door. There's just not enough money. There's just not enough money going around. They're, half their paycheck is going in these stupid retirement. Yeah. Plans. They still got a mortgage and food and utilities. And, <laughs> yes. Oh, the Christmas for the kids. Yes. And so, um, so it's like, well, what do you do? Right. And so what Mark did, he, he tapped into the pre-tax accounts. Yeah, love it. And was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Or if you have cash or if you have a line of credit or yeah. if you have a non-qualified account, sure. things like that is what we would recommend. Just look for other sources for a short-term bridge um, because it's so hard to get money into a Roth IRA regardless. Right. Right. Because th there's the, the, the contributions are limited. The conversions cost you a ton of money. But if this is after-tax money, that you could automatically convert into a Roth up to 
fifty some odd thousand dollars, absolutely you would want to take advantage of it and, and try to max it out as much as you can each year, and then just try to find another way to to, to fund the living. Yeah, expenses. well, that's right. Because if you're over fifty, the IRS lets you put in twenty six thousand dollars into a traditional four hundred one k or a Roth four hundred one k if your employer has one, or you can split it however you want to. So that's twenty six thousand. Then in many cases, or even most cases, your employer probably has some kind of match. Let's say, let's just say the match is four thousand, just to make easy math. So twenty six plus four. Now there's thirty thousand. I think the amount that you can put into a four hundred one k in total is about fifty six, fifty seven thousand, somewhere around there. So that means in that example, you could put another twenty six or twenty seven thousand of after tax money from your paycheck. So now it's like, well, wait a minute, I need that to live off of. Well, if you have another source to live off of, which is uh, what Mark has, then you could supplement your spending from that other source, have more money go into the after-tax, and then you convert that right away to a Roth. And then it's like a huge Roth contribution. It's a great idea. Right. And <clears throat> with with contributions, it's it's FIFO tax treatment, first in, first out. Um, so even if you probably wouldn't want to do that if you're going to take the money out right away. But if, if you can find other sources, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Mark. Yeah, appreciate good, it. Good one. We agree with you. Yeah. Mega backdoor. The first time I think we've ever talked about that. <laughs> Go back in what episodes, Andy? Oh, all of them. <laughs> okay, not all of them, but in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, I have linked to the most recent episodes that cover the backdoor and Megatron Roth strategy, the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs, and the latest episode of YMYW TV on how to financially pivot to early retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get started hoovering up all these free financial resources that are just pouring out of YMYW. Honestly, though, if you want to know if you can retire early like William, or you want to have an effective real estate investing strategy like Marcus, or if you want a great way to reduce your taxes in retirement like Mark, maybe it's time to schedule a free financial assessment video call with one of the certified financial planner professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. Yes, YMYW is great, but if you haven't noticed, this podcast involves some fairly general spitballing suggestions and ideas with pretty much no preparation from anyone but me. And trust me, you do not want me giving you financial advice. A CFP at Pure will be able to make recommendations based on the specifics of your financial situation, your level of risk tolerance, and your retirement goals. Go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com right now. Click get an assessment and schedule a date and time that's convenient for you. Grant writes in, Alan, uh, love the show from Alabama and absolutely love the humor from all three of you. Well, Grant, that's very nice. Thank you. Thank yep. you, Grant. Roll Tide. Situation. Uh, 60, yo. Going on 39, yo. LOL. Yeah. Because, yo, you know. Yo, he's 60. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's, he's feeling young, though. He is. Um, run 5K, 10K in trail races. Wow, that's uh, impressive. It is. Got an early out from a lot of years of government service in an annual pension of about $105,000. TSP value approximately four hundred grand. in traditional IRAs about one hundred and thirty. Have limited amounts in Roth, ten k. Back in the day, had to find every tax deduction possible to cover extensive medical expenses. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that's that, Grant. Yeah. My wife passed away a few years ago. 
2020-2021, making more than ever. Total comp including pension, approximately 240 grand. Big tax bill for 2020, 8,000, uh, more than the big amounts I paid in. I want to build up Roth, but find myself needing, again, to increase tax deduction to reduce my tax bill. Right now, I'm 50-50 in my current company's 401k between Roth and traditional. Uh, the current benefit analysis suggests I should go 100% in traditional for current tax deduction benefit. However, I also know what will happen when I turn 72. What would you do? Can't wait to hear the discussion. <laughs> Keep up the drop mic humor. Let's drop the mic humor. Yeah. That's just like Chris Rock. Right. That might be the best compliment you guys have ever gotten. Yeah, I think so. In the great financial thoughts you give. I will say my name is Grant. <laughs> my specifics are a little too specific. If there are other <laughs> listeners from my circle. Ah, what do you, what do you bet? It's a fake name too. <laughs> what do you think? Grant, you got some, your, your circles. You guys sit around <laughs> and talk about this God awful show. Oh, did you hear the last week's episode? Yeah. Grant, was that you? Believe it? Was that you? <laughs> Man, that sounds really familiar. No, Peter, is that you calling yourself Grant? <laughs> Sound like you. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you do here? The guy's 60 going on 39. He's running 5Ks, 10Ks, trail races. It's going to be around a long time. Oh, he's probably got a six-pack, great abs. Yeah, for sure. No, it's just. Yeah, trail running is tough. No. <laughs> trail hiking is hard enough. No. I'll have trail mix. <laughs> That's a little easier. <laughs> on the couch? No, on the, in my golf cart. In the golf cart. Okay. All right. Um, so what do you do here? So he's going 50, 50 knows what happened at 72. He's 60 years old. He's got another 12 years for RMDs. So we can do the math here. Um, what is, is 401 traditional is what? 600 grand. No, 430,000. Yeah. So he's probably maxing the thing out. Call it 25,000. So if I look at what well, TSP is 400 IRAs are one thirty. So call it a little over 500. Um, oh yeah, okay, five hundred thousand, and then he's got um, twelve years, so he gets seven percent on his money. He puts twenty five grand in, um, so that's one point five. Yeah, but let's say if it's all pre tax, four percent of that is sixty two, sixty three thousand on top of one hundred and five thousand. Right, so that gives him seven one seventy as income. As a single taxpayer? Yeah, which currently would just barely be in the 32. And then he is at 240 single is what? A single, uh, that would be potentially well. the 35. 35 taxable income starts at 209. 209. I think the tax bracket might even be higher now than the future. So go for the tax deduction. That's what I would do. I don't know. <laughs> you're always Roth, right? Well, yeah, you're making two forty. He's got a hundred thousand dollar pension. <laughs> Grant is not. I don't think he spends a lot. He had a lot of right medical expenses, so he doesn't have the medical expenses anymore. Um, I I don't know. I'd say I'd say go traditional for the write off, and then get married. When you hit 72 and a half, then you're better tax brackets. Oh, How about that? I don't know. <laughs> so here's the math that you got to do. You have to look at what tax bracket he's in now at $240,000 minus the deductions. So 25 plus another 25, he's at 200,000. If he went all pre-tax, 
that's at no. the top of the 32% tax bracket, right? Yeah, he's single though. It's not 25, but yeah. oh, you're right. But, but he's in that area. He's around 210. He's around the top of the of the 32. So he's basically in the 35 if he has any more income. A couple, yeah. And and what's he going to be at 72 and a half based upon the calculation you just did? He'll probably be in the 35% bracket subject to Altman if we go back to our old rates. So it's kind of same thing. So he's going to be in the same tax bracket roughly. This is totally hypothetical, Greg. Yeah, because we don't know. We don't twelve years what the tax rates are going to be. <laughs> exactly. We if if the tax rates don't change or if they revert back, right. you're going to be in the same tax bracket. So then, I don't know. I would much rather not get the deduction today and have that money grow one hundred percent tax free because then it takes the uncertainty of taxes totally out the table. I'm making a bet though. I'm making yeah. a bet that tax rates will stay the same or go up. Sure. In my certain, you know, my certain income range, if tax rates or if my tax bracket goes down, I lost the bet, but it's still not a bad bet to lose. You still get, you know, partying prizes. I think it's about a push. And, and if the tax rates stay the same, he'll actually be in a lower bracket at 72. I would personally sleep better getting the tax deduction, but that's just me. I would sleep better <laughs> not getting the tax deduction because you're, you you don't miss the money anyway, Grant. You, you're, you're, you're making more money than... <laughs> Anyway, so you got a split decision, Grant. So there you go. Take it, take it what you want. Um, hi, guys. It's Esteban again. You said my name perfect last time. I probably totally blew it up <laughs> today. It, right? Esteban? Esteban? Esteban. Probably. I don't know. Ooh, Esteban. Este, Esteban seems like that'd be right. Est- yeah. Instead of Esteban. Question for my 18 year old and 15 year old kids. 18-year-old has a job right now, has $3,000 saved. I suggest uh, she open up a Roth IRA and invest some in an ETF. Then she can start pulling more money, putting putting more money into it each, um, each one, every paycheck. Is this a good idea to get her into investing? Yeah. Great. If she goes for it. Great. She may want to keep the money to buy whatever. She's 18 years old. Yeah. She's got a job. She's got $3,000 saved. Pop that baby into a Roth IRA. She has full access to the 3000 if she wants it. She does. Don't tell her that. Though. Yeah, yeah. please don't tell her that. Right? By law, she's got access, but, you know. Tell her it's just, for retirement. Just, yeah, just which, leave a couple of the... Which it's for. Uh, minor details. So what's a good investment firm, Alan? Investment firm? Yeah. Well, there's lots of good firms. I think the better question is what's a good investment vehicle, like like an index fund, like a total market index fund. You know, that'd be good. Okay. Vanguard has one. Fidelity has one. Schwab has one. I mean, they all have good ones. Also, how can my 15-year-old start investing? He has $500 in a savings account that was money gifted to him. Thank you all so much. Um, the 15-year-old, I'm guessing, doesn't have a job. Probably not because uh, Esteban didn't say that. So if that's true, then he could not open a Roth IRA, but he could invest in a non-retirement account. Yeah. He could open up just an account in his own name Yeah, and invest the same as your daughter. Yeah. Total, um, total stock market funds. Yeah. Somewhere. but And then he would be taxed at capital gains, sure. but he doesn't have a tax bracket. So it'd be tax-free until he gets older. Probably. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. Some of the funds probably have a little bit larger minimum, but $500, you can some, still- Some do, and so, some of the ETFs, you can also get ETFs for total stock markets. So 
when you when you're looking at a fund, you're you're looking for a fund that that has lots of different stocks. You know, like a total stock market would be kind of representative of the U.S. market, and then make sure that the annual charges, internal charges, are low. Usually, they're what five basis points, which Pretty is point oh five percent. Pretty low. Okay, we got Richard. We already talked to Richard. The, Maybe it's a new is, one. No, hey, Big Al, Little Joe, and Awesome Andy. Was it? He that says call? that all the time. This, this is, is like he's, he's, yes, he's he's emailed multiple times. The new question, I guess. Richard, <laughs> you guys are always so good at explaining these clearly. That's why I love your show so much. So I need some clarification. If I made sixty thousand dollars in wages, interest, dividends, pensions, etc which I think you call ordinary income. No, we don't call that ordinary income. I would. Interest? Yes. Dividends? Well, some dividends are capital. <laughs> but go on. Okay. And then I had capital gains of 217000 That would make my AGI 277000 If I write off my Schedule A $60,000, to charity plus $10,000 in state taxes, then that would reduce my ordinary income to zero and 40,000 of that 217,000 capital gains would be taxed at zero and the other 177,000 would be taxed at 15% plus the 3% surcharge. Surcharge, uh, do I have that right? Uh, Dick, it sounds like you got that right. I think so. Let's kind of break this down for our listeners here, Aldo. So. This is the whole capital gains sits on top discussion that we've had multiple times that most of you do not understand, to be honest. We need a white yeah. paper on this. Because we keep trying to explain it again and again. <laughs> so so take, take a stab at it, Joe, because clearly I'm not getting it there. Got it. All right. So ordinary income. Richard was okay. Let's say you have <clears throat> wages. Sure. That's ordinary. That we call that ordinary. Yeah. Right. If you take out money from a 401k plan, that's ordinary income. That's right. Right. If you have um, interest, interest from a CD, ordinary. That's ordinary income. Real estate income. Yeah. Ordinary. Ordinary income. You, you got it. Okay. Capital gain is a capital asset that let's say you have a stock for a dollar, you sell it at $2, um, you would pay a capital gains tax on the dollar increase in value. You probably pay $5 for the charge to sell it but i'm just making this because <laughs> they probably lose four dollars but they don't understand your explanation they'll probably understand mine <laughs> okay all right so you got ordinary income but ordinary income you can write off certain things like a standard deduction or sure. a itemized deduction you got it that's right all right so you got the schedule a's itemized deduction and richard here has about seventy thousand dollars of itemized deductions right is that right $60,000 to charity Six, yeah, plus $10,000 to stake. That's what he's saying, yeah. So his Schedule A of itemized deductions is 70000 So the itemized deduction or the standard deduction would offset any ordinary income first. Correct. So that's what people need to focus on. What is your ordinary income? And then you would subtract your standard deduction or itemized deduction to get that number. That's very clear. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so what he is telling us yeah. is that the $70,000 or he's got $60,000 of wages. He's got $70,000 of deductions. So that makes his taxable income negative 10 from Agreed. an ordinary income. Okay. All right. So then we have to add on $217,000 of capital gains. 
Right. So that sits on top of that. That's right. Okay. So at $217,000 of capital gains, I think we still have a $10,000 negative. I agree. So that would give $216,000 that would be, or I'm sorry, two hundred or $207,000 that is subject to tax. That's correct. <laughs> but with capital gains, you go up to the top of the 12% tax bracket in capital gains. There is no tax. That's right. And if he's single, so that would be about 40 grand. 40 grand. Tax-free. So $40,000 of the 207 is tax-free. The rest would be taxed at a capital gains rate of 15%, but he's also subject to net investment income tax of another 3.5% over 200 or $200,000 yeah. because he's single. That's right. So his adjusted gross income is 277. So only 77,000 is above the 200. So that's what you have to pay the the 3%, 3.8% surcharge. And here's another, here's maybe a simple way to think about it is if you do your tax return and if your long-term capital gains are greater than your taxable income, bingo, you're all capital gains. How about that? Crystal clear. <laughs> I think everyone got it this time. Yep. Learn from the comfort of your own couch about the many ways to save for retirement, the advantages and disadvantages of each, how to pay less in taxes, how to manage your investment risk, and most importantly, learn how to assess your own financial situation and develop a personalized plan to achieve your retirement goals. You'll get all of that when you attend a two-day digital retirement class with Pure Financial Advisors starting on April 10th. If two two-hour sessions is too much commitment for you, but you you really need a deeper dive on the mechanics of Roth conversions? Sign up for a free 45-minute Taxes in Retirement webinar starting on April 13th. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and sign up for any of our digital events, two-day digital retirement classes, or 45-minute Taxes in Retirement webinars. I uh, got Tom from Chicago writes in, good morning, Joe, Big Al, Andy, and Andy's mom. Tom here again from Chicago. Still have my 2014 Honda Civic. Still no dog. Still running through the old Chicago winter as long as it's above 15 degrees. I've now lost 65 pounds from wow. listening to YMYW. We should market that as a weight loss tool. I owe it all to you guys <laughs> on my daily one hour early morning runs. Nice. 65 pounds. It's pretty good. Man, it's like, that's impressive, Tom. Yeah. You ever lost that much? Are you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask <it>. Hilarious. <laughs> Just, kids I, on, I, kids I, on fire today. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I um I have questions related to RSUs, uh, restricted stock units, and Social Security that I was not able to find answers to during my internet search. My RSUs vest one third each year. And there's no change investing after retirement. My understanding is that RSUs count as earned income for Social Security the year after I retire at age 63. I expect to have about $60,000 in total RSUs vest. Okay. If these RSUs count as earned income, that sounds... Um, I lost my place here. <laughs> third, third paragraph. Oh, I'm getting tired of these. All of a sudden, the whole page kind of turned into one word. You're thinking about how many pounds you lost? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, if these RSUs count as earned income, that sounds like that would exceed the Social Security limit my first two years and would then 
lower my social security benefit if I've claimed social security early uh, by a sizable amount as I not have reached for retirement age. Is that the case for RSUs? So what he's saying, right? If you have earned income, so earned income and ordinary income are two totally different things. Right. So ordinary income is wages. You pay social security tax on it, self-employment income, things like that, right? Um, So yes, that would affect your social security benefit in regards to reducing the benefit $2 for $1 over a certain amount of money that you would make as ordinary income. Earned income, that is ordinary income taxed. Right. I I agree with that. It's interesting. Usually RSUs expire after you retire, maybe three months later. So I haven't really seen one that keeps going. So that's that's interesting. And they probably, I don't know whether your old employer would put on a W-2 or they might send you a 1099 of other income, which would still be subject to self-employment tax, which still means earned income. So I agree with you, Joe. Um, So they would be taxed Right. Your social security benefits would be subject to income tax, probably That's up right. to 85%. That's right. Uh, but it wouldn't be reduced, uh, Wait, in no, my opinion. Well, no, he'd lose his benefit because his income would be too high. Right. No, I don't think. Well, I, I don't think it's calculated as ordinary income. I mean, earned income. I think it is. That, that's what I'm saying. I think it's I think it's either going to be on a W-2 or a 1099. 1099. Well, yeah. I guess it's up to his tax preparer whether they cut, but if the dev, but the, if he's getting restricted shared units after he retires, that is ordinary income. Yeah, but I think. But it, why? That's I, well, that's compensation, right? Ours uses comp. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think it'll either be on a W two, which is earned income, or it would be on a 1099, which would be under other income with probably the self employment income, the same number. Is what I'm guessing. It's it's unusual. You don't usually see this. Hmm. That's why I'm just making stuff up as I go here. <laughs> I thought you had the answer right and then you changed yourself. Well t- yeah. Andy. He's thinking his way through it. If RSUs count as earned income, okay. Yep. With those RSUs earnings, then rep- you know what? Tom he's thinking about retiring early and he's got this. And he this is like total hypothetical BS. <laughs> well if I do this and I do that, I guarantee Tom's like 45 years old. <laughs> And when I'm 65, you know, here's we, what I'm going to do. You know what? We, we, we get these questions all the time. If it's actually happening, just tell us that if yeah. you're thinking about doing something, then tell us that because then now we're all confused. Oh, this is weird. Usually a plan will never do that. Or Tom could be an advisor in Chicago with a client that <laughs> yes. has this question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh boy. Actually, the very last thing he says is in retirement, I expect 70K yearly in pension, have 2 million in savings. I'm not done. I got to finish this. All right. If RSUs count as earned income, will those RSU earnings then replace one of my lower earning part time minimum wage high school uh, burger flipping years from long ago? Oh. Uh, answer is yes, as far as we know. Yes. I will have more than 35 years of earnings. When calculating my future benefit, if I have not yet claim social security he sits around and listens to these podcasts and reads books and god if that's the case after my second year of rsu vesting about 40k in february can i apply for social security benefits in march and have that second year of rsu earned income count as only as one of my 35 year earnings too or do i have to wait for the next calendar year to apply to have that count for an earning year Got a little lost in that one. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to game the system. Well, no, not really. He, he wants to know 
if he has those RSUs that he's taking in a given year, will that count for his 35 total years of income? Because he's got some burger flipping years, but he doesn't realize potentially those burger flipping years adjusted for inflation might be the same dollar figure as the $40,000 RSU in this year that he's trying to figure out when to claim social security. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, 35 years of inflation, maybe, maybe it's greater. You know what? It doesn't matter. It's like seven cents, Tom. But what Tom might do is get another hobby <laughs> than listening to financial podcasts. <laughs> do that. Well, how about if I made 15000 25 years ago, adjusted for inflation, it's 39000 Will that re- And then I make 40000 of RSUs. Would that replace the 39000 <laughs> And if so, how much more money will I make on my Social Security? 46 cents. <laughs> A year. <laughs> Uh, a question for Joe. When I retire, I'm thinking of getting a golf cart. I like it. Not for golfing, but for general getting around. We're allowed. Any recommendations? Electric, electric, electric gas? gas. What's your opinion? <laughs> I um, probably I'll, haven't been in the market for them yet. Yeah, I bought one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah. Um, I have an electric one. Okay. Like it? Uh, yeah. I, I Something's wrong with it, though. <laughs> I, I don't know where Already? to go. You forgot to plug it in? No. Well, I plugged it in. Yeah. Okay. Works fine. Okay. But I, there's, 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 there's something off. I got to, I got to <laughs> get it. I, I don't know. Anyone know a good golf cart mechanic? <laughs> Maybe Schmitty come Maybe. up from the villages. You know how and, when you rent the golf carts at the course, if you go to the parking lot I mean, where you're not supposed to, they, they stop. Maybe yours has some kind of program in it where you leave the house and it stops working. Right. I mean, no, my golf cart goes about 28 miles an hour. Okay. But right now it tops out at 17 miles an hour. Oh, so that's a so, like I got a governor on it or something. <laughs> I don't know. What Maybe you need on. to lose 65 pounds. Maybe if I lose 65 pounds, that thing <laughs> will actually get out. Um, any essential features I should look for? Uh, yeah. Try to get it, you know, some music, you know, some speakers probably. <laughs> that's what I got. Nice. Um, you have a TV in the car? I, no. Okay. I don't have to keep it keep up with Schmitty in the gardens. Yeah. I think it's the villages. The villages. Yeah, I think yes. so. I think you're right. Uh, but I uh, I don't want to look like a rookie golf cart owner. Uh, thanks to Andy and her mom for making this all easily accessible each week. Um, I don't really have. <laughs> yeah, but you you answered the question. Yeah, it's a Garia is the type of golf cart. Garia. Okay. Garia. What color? It's gray. Gray. Yeah, okay. black interior. Got it. Yeah. That sounds pretty sweet. It is. It's very nice. You take that to the golf course? Yes, I do. Nice. Yeah. I take it there up to the club. You can grab um, some food. Everyone else is going 29 and you're going 17. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> All right. Thomas uh, writes in, assuming spousal benefits will be higher, can the spouse take their own early or FRA then later when I take mine? Uh, can they claim spousal benefits and receive the higher spousal versus their own? If so, is there a penalty to the spouse benefits if they take their own at 62? Uh, that could have been better written, but it is. This is, this is your area of expertise. Oh, God. <laughs> I got to get a new job. <laughs> I am so tired of talking about Roths, Social Security. Do you want to get into the, the stock market, the, the taxes, de- the deeming rules? And, <laughs> yeah, you're the, deemed. Uh, this is a social. You got to talk about restricted stock units. Oh yeah, that was different. That was, that was fun. Issues. That was yeah. Yeah, that was a great time. 
it was for me. It was different. Oh, assume spousal benefits will be higher. So he's saying, okay, higher than his own, higher than his own benefits, I think is what he's saying. Okay. That's true. All right. Can the spouse take their own early or FRA then later when I take mine? So the spousal benefit works like this, Tom is that you need to be claiming your own benefit before your spouse can claim a spousal benefit if it's higher than their own. So if the spouse claims their own benefit first and takes their own benefit, and then you claim your benefit, and then it goes to the spousal benefit, that's exactly what would happen. However, if your spouse takes a benefit at age 62, the spousal benefit would also be reduced by that percentage. Sure. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. I think I answered the question. He just kind of wrote. I think so. I think, and I'll tell you, this got a lot more complicated about five years ago. Yeah. When the rules changed. Mm -hmm. So bummer, Thomas, that's the way it is. But to repeat myself, you need to claim your benefit first before the spouse can claim the spousal benefit. That's correct. So he's like, okay, well, let my wife take her benefit is what he's thinking. Yeah. Right. So she takes it early. Takes it early at 662. And then I'm going to claim my benefit. And then she's going to claim the spouse benefit, which is half my benefit. Yeah. Um, it's true, but the, it's not going to be half your benefit. It's going to be reduced because she took her own benefit early. Yeah. It's going to be reduced by somewhere between 25 and 30%, depending upon when your full retirement age so, is. Y- yes. Because let's say the spousal benefit is 50%. It's going to be roughly 30% of your benefit. Not 50% of your benefit. Yeah, yeah. So that's the calculation that you need to make. All right. Um, that's it for us. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in this broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. 